What's up, Nomies? This is episode 25 of the Naranomies MTV podcast. I'm your host, Josh, and this is going to be the quick six post race recap episode. And I am joined by Alex, who uh, came and supported me in the race and was a volunteer there. What's up, Nar Nation? The lawyer here, Alez, a.k.a. Alex. And you, I really appreciate you coming out and supporting. That was really awesome. Oh, it's a fun event. Um, if you haven't been, uh, you got to go check it out. Even if you're not into bikes, families out there, kids out there, uh, it's just cool to see. It's a great environment. And it seems like this is actually the first one that I've gone to, but it sounds like it's just getting bigger and better every year. So what did... Uh, you do all right exactly. so i had major fomo uh and i think next year i'm gonna have to not pass my uh, invite code to to shreddy ballard and use it for myself but uh i, oh, I forgot you did that yeah <laughs> so uh you gave him the hookup i gave him the hookup and uh you know partially regretted it as race time came uh next year i just need to sign up but in light of the FOMO, I also didn't know the fall is pretty busy. We're avid Clemson fans and uh, usually going up to Clemson for football games and, you know, kid stuff in the fall. So wasn't sure if we'd be around this weekend. But I've already got the date saved for 2024, September 28th, 2024, for all you guys looking to join the Quick Six. Um, shout out to Rambo for already getting that on the books. I was but, pretty impressed. They already yeah. scheduled it. But uh you know, FOMO coming up, decided to volunteer and uh, got it, got an email from Joe Baker. I think who's the secretary at Rambo uh, and assigning me to parking. So uh, I had the early shift. I wanted the early shift so I could get out and watch the race. So I got out there about 630 in the morning while it was still dark, uh, donned my uh, my security vest and a flashlight and uh, manned the gate uh, for parking to make sure that the uh, you know, we were able to get all the racers and volunteers parked. It was neat to, to get to see everybody. I mean, basically anybody that was coming to the race, I got to meet them at their window and, you know, saw the guys from, from Jared's place come in and saw you and, and Trent and some other folks. Uh, so it was kind of a, a cool spot. And, uh, of course, you know, got uh, finished up right as the race was starting, about 9.45 or so, and I uh, got to come watch you and and will and trent uh and and the other folks uh ripped through the quick six so it was good times got to meet some great people um shout out to my my colleague bobby uh if you're listening who worked the parking with me and another guy ryan uh that was out there they were great guys exchanged some phone numbers and probably gonna ride with them at some point did they give you anything for doing that uh you got free lunch i think you were you know supposed to get like a free towel or shirt or something but i didn't didn't uh didn't pursue that but um you know it's one of those things i'm out there riding those trails so often you know i feel like i uh you know gotta do something to give back and you know i joined rambo um and uh um just thought this was another opportunity to get out there and support what they're doing and so you i guess tell me a little bit about the spectating so you after you volunteered, you went out and watched the races. I do remember, I think you left before the kitty bike race, right? Yeah, I uh, figured I had already, um, you know, used up my hall pass for the day. 
the wife and the kids were supposed to come out and her in-laws, uh, we had a, a stomach bug roll through our house, uh, roll through the kiddos, uh, at least, um, that weekend and the night before our oldest was sick, throwing up. So, uh, they, they took it easy and stayed home. And, uh, so I went out and figured it about after I, it was about 1230, uh, and the race was wrapping up and I figured I ought to head home. But, uh, where was the best, like, viewing place? <laughs> so, uh, I was with, there were a, a, another one of our friends who I think was on the last episode or the one before Bailey. Yes. Thanks uh, Bailey for coming out. Appreciate the, uh, it. the engineer was out there with uh, his kids and then your wife and, and kids came out. So, um, I was flying solo and, uh, had a little bit of, uh, you know, kid watching duties, uh, for, for your kids and, and Bailey, uh, to help out. But, uh, um, the first place I wanted to go, I think when I got out there, uh, you were about to take off for the first stage. I saw you in the line and came to talk to you. Um, and Trent, I think was already out there. You said he was about to start stage two. So, um, I think I actually ran into him and Will before they started uh, stage two, and they were about to head up uh, to the top of the free ride area to, to drop in. And so I went over to the rock drop on Typhoon. I figured it was a pretty cool spot. So uh, went down there and, and caught uh, Will and Trent. Um, I, I think I shared some of the videos. Maybe you can uh, share, you've shared them, I think too, on your, yeah, they were Instagram. awesome. You got some great ones, uh, but, but, uh, Trent hit the, hit the rock drop. Um, I think he, he wrapped himself in the process and will did the ride around, uh, but, but, you know, bombed it. Uh, but it was a great spot and it was pretty wild. I mean, you know, part of the reason I hate to say it, but part of the reason it's fun to go out there and watch is to see some crashes and, and that sort of thing. And it was a great spot. There was, uh, one dude that hit the, uh, hit the rock drop and uh, landed into the tape and just straight into the leaves and just ate it. Oh, I didn't uh, know you that. Yeah, so obviously didn't catch it on video, but that was uh, that was before you went. Uh, after after Trent and Will went, some dude just went off the went off the rock drop and just landed straight into the woods and just ate it uh, and took out the tape in a process. Um, that berm right at the bottom of the rock drop. Somebody had a pretty nasty fall um, mm. and just, you know, slid out. Bike went out from under him there. Um, and then uh, the, the next drop after that berm, that tiny little, I don't know, what it's not like a rock garden or anything, I, but there's a little drop there. Some guy ate it there. I didn't see that. I think Bailey did and said that, uh, like, the EMS or whatever, EMT had to come help him. Mm. So uh, that was a pretty gnarly area. It was a, kind of a good spot to watch. Um, and that, I will say, like out of all the places I watched, that was kind of the, the gnarliest action. So we started there. We just stayed on the free ride area. And then after uh, you and, and Trent and Will passed that stage, uh, we went over to stage four, I guess, which uh, was, you know, lunch line, I think mm -hmm. is, is basically what that trail was. And uh, sat right next to the high line uh, um, on that uh, on that section of, uh, lunch line and uh, it was a good spot you were right up close the kids liked it because uh, they were literally you know a foot two feet away from riders as they went by and um, so I was there with your wife and Bailey and all the kids uh, and, and watched you guys Trent and Will basically blew through the last four stages I mean I think they were done or they were on stage six by the time 
we even saw you on on stage four. Yeah, they so went really fast. They they blew through it, um, but that was a good spot too. I saw a couple couple falls, um, and it's interesting. I'll say uh, there's definitely a wide range of riders that ride at that race. I mean, um, you know, they were folks that just ripping, you know, hitting hitting all the gaps and uh, really really advanced riders, and then there's some that are clearly beginners that look like that was the first time riding each trail. I mean, just snail's pace going down, um, you know, butt an inch off their back tire, just mm-hmm. holding on for dear life. Uh, also cool to see a bunch of females out there riding mm-hmm. too. Um, so it, yeah, just overall great experience. And then after watching, um, stage four, I think uh, you had to do a second lap on stage four because of a, a pedestrian that got in your way on the first first run mm-hmm. after we watched you um uh then we would just went over to stage six and watched uh some of the folks um at that drop on hollywood and at that point about called it a day so and, and down at gully but uh yeah great event had an awesome time uh if you if you're not even into biking it's a cool experience uh just something to go see um, and obviously if you're into biking or know people racing, it's a, it's a really great event and easy to watch. Cool. Well, I'm going flip... to tell us, tell us about the actual race. I was going to say, I was going to flip the script and say, why don't <laughs> you interview me? Cause I always run these things. Yeah. So you get to ask all you the put questions me on the spot. So, uh, uh, I guess starting out, um, I don't know. I guess you haven't addressed uh, the bike issues, or maybe you did on the last I episode. I did, yeah. So tell us, what did you end up doing? Because I don't think you uh, kind of made a decision mm-hmm. on the last episode. I don't think you shared what you ended up doing with the race. Yeah, I guess I thought about barring Bailey's Ritmo, which he offered, and it probably would have been better. But I just, I don't know. A part of me was like, I broke, broke one bike. I really don't want to break someone else's. And I like riding my own bikes and I'm used to them and I don't want to like change stuff over like pedals and grips and stuff. And I was like, I'll just give the alchemy a try, uh, the short travel 120 bike. And I practiced with it and felt pretty good. So I just went with it. And in all fairness, I mean, it really didn't hold me back a ton. I would say it was good on the XC side having it yeah, except, I was say it was probably faster on the xc side yeah but except for there were a couple gaps i did that i definitely bottomed out hard and it felt really rough um and i definitely probably wasn't pushing as hard on some of the steeper stuff because they believe it or not they had some steep stuff on the xc side um and the brakes aren't as good on that bike so i don't know it definitely wasn't good on the dh side um it just felt real pingy and you know, the geometry is not very slack and it just, uh, just blew through the travel, but it was fine. I mean, I ended up, it ended up working out. So that's the, the bike I, I went with and, you know, maybe I could have gained, you know, a couple places, uh, in the ranking, but I don't think it was like that big of a deal. So, uh, obviously you got a chance to, uh, ride at the, the pre-ride, um, what was kind of going through your mind? What were your thoughts on, on the Friday before riding through the pre-ride? The, the biggest thing was I was shocked at how long they made the stages. So I think they <laughs> average for, yeah. for me, someone like my capabilities over a minute 
a stage, which is pretty long for like a downhill stage. Uh, I seem to recall like last year, I didn't go back and look at Trent's times, but weren't most of the stages like 40, 50 seconds last year? No, I think they were or similar. They, it was around the similar time. But like the thing that was interesting was not just the length of them and how they connected and made all these new trails, but also how creative they got on the XC side at making steep trails. And it was a lot steeper than I thought, especially the ends of some of them. And uh, I realized how important pre-riding was. So we did each one probably two or three times. And honestly, I wish we could have done it maybe a little more, uh, especially there's one trail uh, that you didn't pre-ride with us that uh, stage, I can't remember, five. And it had uh, what they call the sippy cup or sippy cup cake gap or something cupcake 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 gap and it was a creek gap and it was probably a bike length and a half and i've never hit anything like that and trent gave me the courage and i i passed it the first time second time i hit it and i cased it really bad and then i had to go home i was in a time crunch and i was like man i wish i could have hit that one more time and that was the only thing that made me stay up at night just thinking should i hit it because yeah. if, I, if i don't hit it i'd lose a ton of time because the ride around was a lot a lot of time <clears throat> everything else i kind of knew my line i i figured it out on the dh side there were also some new trails that the lomers that i had to figure out so the pre-ride's crucial and it's i would say you need to do at least every run uh, preferably like three times really to understand where you need to go because they do a good job of making like three lines in every which place and so i had all my lines figured out but the the cupcake gap was the one that i was unsure of but other than that the pre-ride was so much so much fun and we had you know there were people out there riding it that weren't even in the race and it was it was a fun time weather was beautiful too so on the on the downhill side i mean i i didn't uh i don't think i you know, looked at every inch of the trails, but it seemed like the Lomers, uh, the new sections weren't really downhill sections. Most of the down, like the technical stuff was stuff that already exists. It was just moving you around the free ride section. Yeah. Is like that, connectors there. That's true that fair to say, fair to say, except at the top, there were some new sections that okay. connected that were pretty steep and then also exposed some roots that were, because they were newly exposed, they were pretty slippy yeah. and off camber. And so that kind of made things sketchy. I definitely felt myself sliding around on some. And for a spectator, you probably didn't notice, but there were some like on that lunch line one you were talking about where it connected you. It made these weird turns, awkward turns, where <laughs> it just, because you weren't used to it, you felt really strange. And then you'd go over like a slanted route and it would, it would just knock you off. So it was challenging. It was, yeah. it was, it was impressive how different they made it. So what about, you, you kind of told us how, what was going through your mind and, and thoughts about Friday. Uh, so walk us through Saturday, uh, the race, you know, what time did you get up? What'd you do? What was going through your mind as you headed over to Big Creek? Yeah. So it was interesting because the, at the, at the, that, the day of the free ride, Stuart Teal, who, Teal, uh, Teal, who, uh, runs the the quick six who's a board member of rambo awesome guy he reached out to me and said hey i listened to your podcast i think you should be a sponsor 
and you could sell your swag on the field. And I was like, I don't want to spend a lot of money on sponsorship. He was like, dude, it's not much. Give us some of your swag to give away and you're in. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that's it. And he was like, yeah. And sign this contract. And it was pretty boilerplate. And so I uh, did that. So he told me, he was like, you get to drive your car in the field. So, and you need to be there early because we shut the gate and all this yeah. stuff. So I was like, oh, okay. So I had to wake up like 6 a.m. And late the night before, I was like, I have to create a booth somehow. So I <laughs> found a folding table. I got signs. I wrote on stuff. I organized all the swag. And I got up there early, set everything up in the field. At the very end, they gave me a little booth spot. Of course, all the booths out there are all these professional grade you know, yeah. big tents, vans. Your wife, uh, I'm pretty sure, cleared uh, when I was out there with her. She was like, "Josh needs to get a tent." So yeah. <laughs> apparently, you've uh, you've been cleared to buy a tent uh, there you go. Uh, from your wife. Now you just got to get somebody. Your next uh, swag run, you need to to get a tent cover printed with your uh, gnome logo. That'd That's be right. pretty sick. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you get out there, nice, bright and squirrely. Uh, I think you probably, if I recall correctly, maybe around seven thirty ish. Yeah. Out there. Yeah. I brought old blue, the land cruiser, which is a big hit. I got a lot of people coming up to me asking about probably more people coming to me asking about my car than they did what Narnomies was, yeah. uh, but it was a good conversation starter. So I brought my old 87 FJ 60 land cruiser out there and set up the booth around it. And it was awesome. Got to meet so many new people, which I think was the biggest thing. Like you were saying, you met some folks. It's just, amazing how tight-knit the community was and there are a bunch of guys i followed on social media that are like really core uh mtb riders in our community and i thought they'd be kind of stuck up but they were super cool welcoming just uh brought me into the fold and introduced me to a bunch of people uh industry veterans big brand folks um all sorts of different companies out there so that was the most special part was just all the the people and and hanging out with everyone around that that festival field area so yeah so did that for a couple hours because my wave was third so 10 was that your 10 o'clock was that your yeah 10 o'clock which i was bummed because i wanted to get mine over with early so i could spectate and also work the booth and hang out with folks but and i asked if i could be moved but they did it on purpose where they actually wanted the they did it backwards in most races and I actually asked Rambo why they did this, but they do the pro riders first, then the sport class, then the beginners, and then a few other categories. And I was on the beginner category and uh, typically it's the other way around. But the reason why they did that was because they wanted the pro riders, they wanted the beginners to be able to spectate the pro riders so they could see how they ride and lines and all that stuff. And then, on the other side, they wanted, they knew the pro riders are good hecklers and they would also encourage people so they could spectate the beginners and help them and stuff like that and guide them. And, and some of them are coaches and everything like that. So interesting way they flipped it around, but I definitely didn't want to switch waves because he was like, you can switch waves, but then you may have someone come up on your ass and yeah. run you over. And so, which you almost had, uh, not, not, it wasn't that close, but on uh, that that stage four, I guess, where you had that pedestrian run out. Yeah, that was. There was a guy pretty close, maybe maybe ten seconds behind you, fifteen seconds behind you. Yeah, that was terrifying because I went on stage four, and right at the crosswalk, they actually uh, a pedestrian walked out, and I peeled off, 
and went off trail and couldn't stop. And I had to walk my bike back up. And then I hesitated because I was like, do I wait for the next rider? Do I not? I didn't see him. So I went and then I, I knew that guy would catch up to me because I basically wasted a lot of time. But they let me do a re-ride of that, which sucked, though, because <laughs> I had to go. So I didn't know the rules. And I after I did stage four, I pedaled all the way over to the XC side to do stage five. And then I talked to the starter there and he said, oh, no, you have to do stage four again or it'll screw up the the timing system before you do stage five. So then I biked all the way back over to the downhill, oh, did stage four again, then biked back to stage five. So I rode a lot more than most riders out there, but um, no, it was, it was super cool. I mean, definitely the nerves were there. Like the first stage is so flat and pedally and I was hurting and my heart rate was spiking. And then, but it got easier as you did more stages I started getting looser and started getting more comfortable. And it's funny because I, I did what well, was listening to music, but I had those headphones on where I could still hear everything. Uh, and I thought I would see more people, but it's amazing how you get this tunnel vision. Yeah. And I never saw any of you guys. Like I, I, I heard, I never even heard you guys. I heard, really? I heard noise machines. I remember hearing just people yelling, but like, you're so focused. It's like a blur. Everything is a blur. You don't, you have yeah. tunnel vision and it's, uh, it's amazing how it was all blocked out. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, you, you heard the videos I sent you, I was screaming yeah. you know, your name, like, let's go, whatever. And did, did you hear any of that? No, like That's I heard wrong. yelling and yeah. I remember I knew you guys were around, but it was just like literally tunnel vision. Yeah. It was crazy. I did, wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And it feels a lot faster when you're, you know, in the moment. And so, yeah, it was clean runs. It it felt good. Like I said, I felt like I could have gone faster on my other bike, but I was really happy with what I did. And then, yeah, when it came time for that stage five, I just decided to send it, and I did. And I, I way cleared it because this I is the, the cupcake gap yeah, you're talking about, right? Yeah, so I just pedaled hard and just yanked. I, I pressed in the lip and just pulled real hard. And I think I cleared it by like four bike lengths. I way overshot it. I wish someone took a picture of me doing it because I felt like I was sailing and I bottomed out really hard. But as soon as that happened, I had the biggest smile and I was like, all right, let's go. I got that behind me. Let's finish this race. And it was, it was an awesome, awesome <laughs> feeling. I, I, I had no idea how, like where I stood. I felt like I was really fast, but I hate to admit it, but there were, some major sandbaggers this year like if you look at the yeah. top top <clears throat> five guys and beginner they would have been in yeah. the top 10 of sport yeah yeah i i did notice that. they were a that. minute a whole minute faster than me or yeah. most of us I, I think the winner of the beginner category was like 613 maybe was the time and I think that would have put him in like third place in sport. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah. He would have podiumed. Yeah. So, or pretty close. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. Uh, you don't know the situation. I mean, yeah. it's like Trent last year. Exactly. He probably should have ridden sport, but he'd never done the race before. So you sign up for a beginner. Sure. You never know. But, uh, but no, it was fun. I ended up 17th out of, I think it was 44, 45 riders, which I'm happy with. And it was clean and safe and, uh, and then, and then, honestly, the the most fun was after you left. That kitty bike race was a blast. Yeah, it looked like it. it looked like a lot of fun. The uh, so uh, I 
we kind of moved, jumped forward. But oh yeah, sorry. Saturday morning, so you sold some swag for a couple hours, or you were out setting up your booth, and then you had the race. Um, did uh, did you end up selling any swag or yeah. just meeting people? No, I sold a good bit actually. I'm just to, to random people that walked random, up. totally yeah. random. Yep, I sold. Uh, so I gave Rambo probably ten hats and a couple jerseys to give away, which. Funny enough, I was shocked at the demand. Like people were like, "Oh, we want that. We want that." Yeah, they they yeah, thought it was pretty swag, cool. Free bike swag sounds awesome. But in particular, I maybe it was just me, or maybe I'm biased. But I noticed out of the stuff they threw out in the crowd when he said Narnomi swag, people were like going nuts over it, and they yeah. really wanted that stuff. And then, yeah, I sold a bunch of everything. I sold all the stickers are gone. Obviously, people yeah. hoard those because they're free. But then the uh, hats jerseys shirts i even had josh from jared's was like i want a hat and i was like oh i'll just give you one and he was yeah. like no no no, i want to pay for it yeah. he's like i'm not that i want to i want to support you so uh, yeah i sold a ton of stuff and i'm awesome. getting close to actually needing to probably make a new order and change it up and make different yeah. stuff so well next year you know you need to print out little business cards that got your uh, podcast yeah where, where to find the narnomies so when they pass out the swag you get some new some new listeners out of it. But. but it's funny you say that. I've already noticed listenership is way up and uh, Instagram followers. I, I think I instantly got like 25, 30 new ones. Yeah. Kind of thing. Oh, that's so. great. <clears throat> well, you know, I'm sure the more you get your name out there, the more people see wearing the swag. It's, it's only good stuff. So, yeah. um, oh, and there was this one little girl. I felt so bad. There's two kid things that I have to mention. One was, the dad for the during the pre-ride came up with his little boy and was like, Hey, my son is here to do the kitty bike race. Where can he practice? And I was like, uh, <laughs> there isn't a kid bike race. And he was like, well, there's a kitty bike race. And I was like, that's adults on kids bikes. And I'm sure he could have done it. <laughs> well, they know I asked, uh, I asked uh, the Rambo folks and they're like, no, cause he's a little kid. Yeah. And he was, you know, not like 12 year old, like, eight-year-old or nine-year-old and the kid broke down crying because i think he was oh, so no. looking forward to it and i broke his heart and felt really bad but then the dad kind of smoothed it over and he felt bad because he read the <laughs> invite wrong and then there was this <clears throat> other little girl that came up and i gave my last sticker to a kid right before she came up and she wanted a sticker so bad and she started crying oh, man. and I felt so bad. So I just gave her a small shirt and she lit up and the oh, dad awesome. messaged me after the race and was like, that was the coolest thing anyone did for my kid. I really appreciate it. So that was, that was kind of a cool moment. Cause there's a lot of kids and families out there. Um, so, so that was neat. Oh, and I forgot to mention too, on the pre-ride day, I got to actually do trail work. So yeah. they helped, I helped, uh, the, the guys finish, slalom so we ran the tamp and we raked it and we packed it in uh the whole track and that was a lot of work uh and granted i only helped them for like an hour hour and a half but it was a workout and just made me appreciate how much work goes into those trails so that was fun too yeah that's awesome so uh in terms of that you kind of walked us through the, the the up to the start of the race and i know we talked a little about uh, the the race itself but Anything particular other than the cupcake gap that uh, that stood out to you about the race or anything memorable about any of the stages you want to talk about? Yeah, Typhoon, the, the second stage, was very fast. 
and very steep and it just it just it's it's a fast stage and so that one definitely kind of had me on edge i didn't do the big rock drop but i still did a couple of the drops and i took the high line where it was really chunky and it just it feels really fast and you're pinned before it because a lot of people don't realize when they're down watching but before we send near that rock drop we're climbing yeah and we're we're climbing hard so your heart rate is just pumping and so you're exhausted and then you're about to just send your life down a straight chute so that that was pretty memorable um and then I mean, the other memorable thing is going off the flight deck. Of course, I rolled it. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't gap it, but of course, I didn't remember hearing people go send it, send it, and I didn't. And they were like, "Oh." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I didn't see it. By the time I got over there, all the pros had pretty much gone, so everybody was rolling it. But I do remember there was one guy that was kind of like half, half decided to to try and. Uh, to, to gap it but which then, that's you do not yeah. want a half set <laughs> no and uh you know he clearly made a mistake i can't believe he didn't eat it but like he got air and uh landed on his front tire about halfway down the ramp and uh uh the landing was not smooth and did not look uh did not look uh all that great but uh he survived i didn't see any nasty spills over there yeah and uh I do want to take a quick intermission because I want to pass it over to our guy in the field that did some interviews uh, at the Quick Six, uh, Win Masters, believe it or not, got him to, uh, from the World Cup, got him to interview the Kitty Bike Race. So uh, take it away, Win. Let us know how it is out there at the Kitty Bike Race, and we'll be back. All right, you're here with Win Win Masters. We're here at the Big Creek Quick Six the kitty bike race and i am here with will will tell us what you're thinking i'm scared uh, this is my second kids bike race i know it's going to be terrifying and uh dangerous so i got all my pads on this time you know we're rocking the chest protector elbow pads knee pads full face uh we're ready to go out there and win the payout's big today so we're definitely going for the bucks um hoping for a clean race yep are you uh planning on using any brakes today um, the brake pads are shot, so I'll have them squeezed in, but it won't do anything. We'll All right, 10-4. We'll see you at the bottom. Hey, uh, Windmasters here. You're on live. Uh, it's a big race, you know, next to World Cup. You're here on the kitty bike race. What's your plan for today? Uh, just fucking send it, man. We got no fucking brakes on here, so fucking send it. All right. Anything uh, special you did to prepare? Put on these ape hangers. Oh. Fat bastards. That's some high rise there, mate. All right, good luck. Windmasters here for the kitty bike race. Who wants to be talked to? Anyone here? Anyone? Tell us about your experience. No? We got a lot of quiet people here. Oh, tell me. Yeah, I've sent the typhoon drop on my mini bike. Really? Yeah. And you didn't die? I didn't die. Holy oh crap. Yeah. What's your name, sir? I'm Lucas Caldas. Are you sponsored? Uh, by, um, what's it called? Hershey's, yeah. Hershey's? Hershey's. Well, guess what? We'll get you on GT in no time. All right. Good to talk to you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Uh, we're here interviewing the kitty bike race. Anyone? Oh, my gosh. These are gorgeous. Straight out of Bobby Land. Do you mind telling me about your bikes? Well, um, I've been saving up for this bike for a few years now. 
And um, man, it's just, I sold all my other enduro bikes to purchase this beauty and it, it was a big investment, but I think it's gonna pay off in this race. I mean, those pegs are gorgeous. You playing on any Red Bull Rampage this ride? Yeah, no, that's the, my next event on this, baby. Okay, great, great. Double backflip, no hander. Talk no uh, yeah, yeah, I'm the finish jump. I'll be pulling it out. Jump, yeah. that's where pull yeah. Sir, you look like you're a YouTuber. You got your GoPro on. Oh, I, it will be on in a minute. You have a YouTube you like to plug? Uh, it's, I don't even remember it now. It's been a long day. Oh, that's bad, because this goes worldwide. Yeah. Oh, well, well, we'll have to subscribe to that later. Oh, well, look at these rigs. on. Oh, hey, Windmaster's here. Yeah, we're just interviewing before this World Cup kitty bike race. Uh, anything you'd like to say about your rig? Um, weight is the name of the game, and uh, we are in Atlanta. Simple as that. Yeah, there you go. It looks really great. Real hot rod. This gentleman scares me a lot, and it's Michael. I don't. I, do you talk? No. All right. That was quick. That was a good interview. Sir, would you like to be interviewed? Win Masters? No. Not really. Okay. This is legend, y'all. Legend. Mega, mega, mega. I'm so excited. I can't wait. All right. It looks like they're getting ready. It looks like they're getting prepared. So, Windmaster's here, prepping for the, for the bike race. You, anything you want to say about your bike? Ooh, I got the, uh, the Barry Noble bars on here, full-size bars on a kid's bike. I think I got a good shot. I think you do as well. Brakes or no brakes? Brakes right here, look. No chain, chainless. Are you going to use your brakes? Oh, hell yeah. I'm gonna... All right, all right. No chain, though, no chain. No key, right? Because uh, those ro coaster, break coaster break will really mess you up. How'd you do on the other race, Phil? Uh, I think like seventh. Yeah, I fell in uh, on five and six, but. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck today. Yeah. Pull it. Let it rip, Teddy Chip. Oh, we got World Cup rider. This is Windmasters here. We got World Cup rider Matt Michko. Michko, you're out with an injury. What do you think about all this? Oh, I'm ready to see it go down. My boy Aiden on the custom rig with the carbon fork is going to take the dub, I think. Where is that gentleman? I don't even see him. Orange helmet right there. Orange helmet. Does he like to be on TV and recorded? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go talk to him. He loves to get interviews. Okay. Is it torture watching all this without being on a bike? Especially this. <laughs> no, I'd... I'd get out of here and rip this. Yeah, next year, right? Oh, yeah. All right, good. Hey, the Windmaster's here, and I've heard about your incredibly custom bike. I took a 16-inch BMX bike, and I put a 20-inch dirt jumper fork on it, and I'm going to loop out really hard. But when I'm going down the steep, it's going to stay level, you know? So You got a bloody suspension fork up there? No, it's it's full rigid, just it's for 20-inch wheels. So no foot jams for me. Yeah. And what is that hub you got on the rear there? Uh, it's the uh, the six-year-old special. That sounds really nice there. Really it's nice. mad rusty, but, you know, she gets the job done. What's the frame made of? Um, it's a Colt. Colt 16-inch okay. juvenile. Okay. She's going to get her done. Any uh, any big tricks or whips you're going to pull on this one? Um, I may do a fat, fast, fast pant tail whip. Okay. Maybe. All right. Well, we're going to get down on the track and get to watch you guys. Good luck, everyone. Windmaster signing off here at the Kick Quick Six uh, Kitty uh, Bike Race. Thank you very much. No, but that was the other thing I noticed when I got to the end of the downhill. I noticed there was a guy, younger guy, that was injured. And he 
broke himself off. I have no idea where. I heard it was somewhere near the bottom, and ambulance and, and oh. fire truck came and a stretcher and took him away. And that was kind of a little bit of a reality check when I saw that. I was like, all right, Josh, take it easy. You know, this yeah. is you know this is just a fun race because that definitely put things into perspective. But no, I'd say I'd say those are the probably the most memorable moments I can think of. Uh, definitely had a lot of heckling back and forth with the boys at Jared's place because a couple of them were on e-bikes and we were talking trash back and forth to each other on some of the climbs. It was fun. And um, no, I mean, I think I think the race was actually really well run. It was interesting how they had us climb up through the school and it was like a separate climb, real loamer, uh, pretty steep. Um, but it was very efficient. You weren't sitting around waiting very long. The lines moved really quickly. Even though it looked like a big line, they moved everyone through. Uh, everyone seemed pretty spaced out. I was impressed with how well it operated. So Yeah, yeah, it seemed like a well-oiled machine. Um, uh, so so anything, uh, anything else about the race you want to talk about or about any of the stages? Um. I'll say the awards were really impressive. So the coolest, one of the coolest moments was Trent. So Trent got 10th out of his sport class, which he was pretty bummed about. He wasn't feeling the best and he said he, he felt like he had gone a lot faster, but Will, who was also on team Naranomis, he got third. And uh, so he podiumed and got to sport the Narnomi's jersey, which was really cool. And the awards ceremony was pretty impressive. Like the actual gifts they gave you were pretty stout, like tires. And uh, some of the big dogs got forks, suspension forks and uh, nutrition stuff and uh, clothing. And I mean, it was a lot of stuff. And I actually got some free gloves from Wojciech. I think that's how you pronounce their, yeah. yeah. And that team is, is strong and and they have a lot of cool gear. Um, So everyone really, the, the sponsors really gave away a ton of stuff, which is cool. And I know you were gone at this point, but they were just throwing out stuff left and right giveaways, raffles, uh, the whole nine yards. And, and that was really cool to see because there's, uh, there's a ton of stuff to get. Oh, I forgot to ask um, anything uh, about the, packet pickup party at uh when they're on friday night at the uh, wasn't there something at a brewery yeah oh i forgot about that i did go to that and that was that was fun it was uh wasn't too bad it was like you know 10 15 minute drive from where the um quick six was but the venue was really cool actually it was a outdoor kind of set up when they had all these games and stuff and it was a really cool looking restaurant I'll, I'll say the, the food was kind of subpar. Uh, they had a little buffet set up, but that was a ton of fun. I got to meet some really cool people. One guy that just moved here, uh, from, from Alabama, uh, really nice guy. Another Igor who's hysterical. He's huge, widely known in, in the Atlanta mountain bike community. He's a really funny guy. He used to be a bike mechanic now works for a, a manufacturer of some sort and he broke his bike the 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 pre during the pre-ride Ooh. broke his linkage in half and he worked so hard on getting his bike dialed and was really upset about it but josh from jared's actually gave him or lent him 
one of his bikes, uh, like a brand new Santa Cruz, uh, big travel. And nice. he, he got to ride that. Um, but yeah, it was fun talking to him and getting to know him. And he had one of the best outfits uh, awards. He was wearing zebra, uh, racing pants with a, a wolf shirt. It was, it was pretty priceless, but no, the, the, the night before event was a lot of fun. Uh, got to see some other friends too, Marcus, who I run into a lot at Pine Mountain and Big Creek. Uh, and then Mike, who's another guy, he's a big YouTuber, uh, got to see him. And he also had a great costume at the uh, race. He, he, the was, Power he was the Power Ranger. Yeah. <clears throat> I saw the Power Ranger eat it uh, uh, while I was out there. Oh, really? Yeah, somebody had knocked the tape down, I think, on the fourth stage, and he hit a jump and went the wrong direction. Oh um, man! But uh, so I assume he he redid that. But uh, yeah, there were some memorable memorable costumes out there. Yeah, people so. people brought it all out. It was it was fun to see that Mike guy. He can get some big air. He's a big big jumper. But yeah, so the 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 night before event was a lot of fun. But I think everyone was kind of you know it was it was over by nine. Everyone was kind of raining it in because they knew they had to be up early and didn't yeah. want to drink too much. Only so many beers you can drink before a race. Yeah. Um, well, overall, sounds like Quick Six was a success. Or uh, the real question: Are you gonna you gonna sign up next year? For sure. I there is no doubt. I will be signing up for Quick Six next year as long as the schedules don't conflict. I think it was an awesome time. I I honestly suggest everyone ride it. It doesn't matter. To your point you don't even have to be a good rider. It's just fun to do it. And there are people there that, yeah. I mean, I saw people there on hardtails or true beginner. One guy was telling me he, he rode it last year on an REI co-op hardtail bike, like $500 bike. And I think it's just, it's just a cool, it's really just a fun party. And, and I think it's a, it's a cool experience, especially it's an easy one because you're not really pedaling much, not a huge long race. And, the, the coolest part is between the stages, they tell you take as much time as you want and you can really just socialize and chill and rest before every stage um, and spread it out if you want. So, yeah, I think so. And and you and you're in. And I know there's a bunch of other guys that said they want to, yeah, want I'd love to, do, to do it. it. <clears throat> I mean, I think in general, there's just something if you haven't been to a race, uh, you know, my, my older brother used to do Ironman and triathlon and um, <clears throat> you know, go into a couple of these bike races that I've now been to. There's just something about the atmosphere. It just makes you, it kind of like hops you up. You get some like adrenaline going and it's just a cool, cool atmosphere. Everybody, it, it's a, it's a, everybody's in a good mood and everybody's happy there. And it's just a cool environment to be in, even if you're not participating. Yeah. One thing I noticed too, that I forgot to mention about my bike was I noticed, and Trent will vouch for this every time I'm with them and I was riding my alchemy. I'd be like, dude, I don't think my shocks or my fork really go through all the travel. And I had the sag set up right. But I always thought for some reason they were messed up or like I just didn't have it right because there'd always be like an inch on my uh, shocks yeah. and, and, and fork that just I would never use. And I, even when I went to the downhill and I was pre practicing, I was like, I don't understand this. And the most interesting part was I never changed it, I raced. And I bottomed out a ton. And the thing that I learned from that was the amount of adrenaline you get from racing and the amount you push yourself, you really do use all the travel. 
in my situation, yeah. I used all of it because I never kind of got to that zone where I was true race pace. And so I quickly realized, oh, wow, no, I, if I go fast enough, I will use all this travel and it does work fine. It's just, I never, I know, I don't have that, maybe that inner urge to push myself right. unless there's like a crowd yelling at me. And I did notice that when I had that extra push, I absolutely used all the travel and my, and my suspension does work well, yeah. but That's that what... was kind of interesting to me because I've never used it all on that bike and I thought that was really odd but it's just because I never really push it to the limit yeah that that's what kind of scares me uh about doing a race is you get the adrenaline and you push yourself to beyond maybe what you should but you know but but at the same time I felt in control but I did push myself more than I ever have and yeah it's just weird because I've watched these episodes um on YouTube a lot by dialed they're called dialed it's by Fox uh suspension and they're really good on world cup racing and, I, and you get to watch the mechanics talk to the riders and i've and i never really understood when they met, said like we shouldn't change anything on your suspension because you're not at race pace yet keep keep riding and until you get to race pace there's no point in changing the suspension because you don't know what it's really going to act like and now i kind of understand like race pace is a totally different thing and that's when you really see your suspension change so, so do you have the bug? You think you'll sign up for any other races or are you a quick six and, and done for the year? No, I for sure have the bug. There's no question. I want to do a real, there's two things that I want to do. I, I would, I would really like to do a real enduro. And what I mean by that is big mountain full day enduro race. And I like may something downhill Southeast or, yeah, like, or go nuts or downhill Southeast, something like that. Or even, uh, even a downhill race, like a single, not a dual crown, but like enter a single crown downhill race. I think that they are, they're really fun. And I want to do more of the like real big mountain stuff. Cause they call this a mini enduro. But the problem is, is it does take all weekend and it's a lot of time. And so I think. And it's a course you're probably not familiar with. And exactly. Yeah. You'd have to travel to it and stay and all that. So I definitely am going to do one. It's just a matter of, no, I mean, I can't, you know yeah. how it is with families and stuff. There's no way I could commit to doing a series. I want to try to do one, and but I kind well, of have to there's... space them out. Maybe go next year and 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 do one. Um, but you know, I I think I'm the kind of guy that'll probably do one to two, maybe yeah. three races a year, and that's it. Just because of the time commitment. Well, I think they have one. At, don't they have one at Jared's coming up? Mm. Yeah, they do. That might be something to look into. Yeah, that could be something to look into. Yeah. Um, but the other thing too is is every time I do that. I call it, I use a, a card, yeah. a pass, as yeah, you call pass. it, hall pass. <laughs> and that's also takes away, like, I like to use my hall pass when all my friends can ride. And I also yeah. want to do, like, fun trips with friends, you know. So kind of have to finesse yeah. that whole yeah. thing. I understand. So, I understand. But, no, it was very different than our race when we did our first XE race with Go Nuts. I'll tell you right now, I'll never do that again. Yeah. Like now that I've done an enduro-ish race, I will never go back to XC. I will always, if I do another race, it's going to be enduro or down downhill. Yeah. Just well, because I like the socialization format and I don't like just pinning it for a nonstop hour and a half and just, get, yeah. And, and also the, the mass start and the people passing and the stress and the back and forth. It's just a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's a slippery slope. The, uh, we started riding very mellow XC stuff and, you know, as we, uh, keep riding and, and progress, you know, the, the, 
the features get bigger and the tech uh, gets more intense. And I guess it's just a slippery slope. You get the bug. And I guess the same is true with racing. I agree with you. Like doing an XC race sounds miserable. Doing the quick six sounds awesome. Yeah. So, and then they have an e-bike category, which, yeah. you know, yeah. would be cool for you. And even all the big go nuts and downhill Southeast have e-bike categories. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I have not been on the podcast since I got the new bike. No, you should talk about that. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, maybe three, four weeks ago, I finally dove into, uh, the e-bike world and got a, uh, um, a new 2024 heckler, uh, over at fresh bikes and, uh, test drove or test road, uh, a heckler and a Yeti 160 E. And I mean, I, that was the first time I had ever ridden an e-bike was when I did the demo. Uh, and I was floored. I was blown away. It is such a, it is not at all what I was expecting. I mean, it was way different. I mean, you still have to pedal. This isn't like a electric dirt bike, like a Suron or something. Um, and, but it, it's just crazy, uh, just the feel of it. And, you know, from the moment I pushed down the pedal, I was like, whoa, like this is, this is crazy. And, um, I, I'm a, I'm a convert. I know, uh, I will probably be the minority of, uh, in the listeners on this podcast and, uh, cat shit, but <clears throat> I guess I'm too old to really care at this point. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, maybe if I was 18, 19 years old, I would uh, feel ashamed showing up to ride an e-bike, but I love it, and, and I'm hooked. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I have a bad taste in my right, mouth right now because my bike is in the shop um, for a, a, an, an electrical issue, uh, an electrical gremlin that's being diagnosed, but uh, it's awesome. I mean, for someone like me, uh, I know I could be in better shape, but uh, riding during the week. I mean, when I come out, we're at Soap Creek right now. We just rode, I rode my Amish bike since, uh, my bike is in the shop and in the same amount of time that, that we just rode and I did a lap, I can do two on the e-bike and that the uphills are enjoyable, uh, which makes the downhills more enjoyable and you just get to squeeze that much more time in. Um, you know, I, I take it up to, uh, when I go up to Clemson, there's some trails up there called Issaquina trails. That's basically the equivalent of like national forest or state forest land. And before, um, I think there's maybe 60, 70 miles of, of trails up there. And before on my, uh, you know, tall boy, my Santa Cruz tall boy, I, there was a level of discomfort, you know, riding out and exploring new areas and new trails. You know, I'm out by myself, not typically out there with somebody who, uh, has ridden the trails before, and so I was always a little uh, squirmish about or squeamish about heading out into the unknown and, and riding, you know, eight, nine miles out and knowing I got to come eight, nine miles back and not know what I'm getting in, into. Uh, but with the e-bike, there's not really a care in the world. It's like, all right, I'll go. I can, I don't have to be worried about getting stuck somewhere and not being able to get back um, and, and getting too far out and, you know, being gassed and not being able to make it back. Uh, so it just really opens up the world of, of possibilities and, and exploration. And, you know, I've only had it for a month, but I find that I, uh, am not hesitant to ride multiple days during the week. Uh, when I have that, I'm like, Oh, I can go squeeze in, you know, even if I just want to come to soap and do a lap, I can get done in 45 minutes and either head straight to work and not be sweaty or be able to leave work a little bit later and get home, 
uh, and still be able to get a ride in and, and have an awesome time. So uh, as much as I uh, hate to admit it because I will catch flack, I think I'm an official convert. But days like this, when the bike is in the shop, it is nice to still have a backup, even though it doesn't have a motor, uh, and still be able to come out and ride and had a, had a great ride with you and Trent today. Um, and you still had your legs. I mean, you still pedaled good. Yeah, uh, I haven't checked my, my Strava stats uh, to see how, how it compares, but I was surprised. I mean, I really, I haven't ridden my non-e-bike in, in a month, over a month. And, you know, I felt, I felt, you know, just as good as I used to before I even had the e-bike and was just riding the, uh, the Amish bike out here. So I got to check the stats, uh, check my time, check, check, you know, heart rate calories and see just how it compares. But, um, but, but felt good. And, and clearly I'm still getting a workout on the e-bike, uh, since I, I was able to keep up today. Um, but I will say, and I think, I, I don't know if this has already been talked about on the podcast, but it floors me that, you know, I wear an Apple watch when I ride and to look at the statistics like on calories and heart rate, um, riding the e-bike, uh, versus riding my regular bike. And it, it is literally within like 10% in terms of calories burned for the same amount of time, uh, on the e-bike versus the acoustic bike. And it's just, I don't get it, but, uh, you clearly still get a workout. I will say the biggest difference, um, having ridden today, I mean, you don't realize how heavy the e-bikes are and how much more work it is to move those around. Um, and, and it was nice today to ride the lighter bike. It's a lot more playful, easier to get off the ground. There's certain things that I was doing today, like little lips and stuff that I was hitting and, you know, getting both wheels off the ground at soap, which I'm not used to doing, especially on the e-bike. Um, so there is that, that fun aspect, uh, of it, but, um, you know, and lines matter a lot more, not on the e-bike. You know, uh, when, when I'm on the e-bike, you just plow. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, you could have a eight inch tall lip uh, of a root and on the e-bike, you just plow through it. Whereas on the, the regular bike, you got to figure out kind of how to go around it or how you want to attack it. And so there's a lot more mental um, thought that goes into uh, riding the, the, the non-e-bike. But uh, I'm sold. I love the heckler, minus the fact that I have an unknown electrical gremlin right now. <laughs> yeah, two things you got to remember: you got to update your software, you got to yeah. charge it, yeah, you got to take some of those things into account. And uh, yeah, once you get that figured out, I think uh, you should be good to go. Yeah, um, and I guess too. I mean, it, it, nowadays with all the axis stuff and wireless shifting, wireless droppers, all that, I guess you know charging bikes is is becoming more of the norm which is you know you know not not great um you know i've heard multiple stories of people not having a battery uh or battery dying uh something of those that nature which um you know could ruin a ride i guess uh which is not ideal just that's a good point thing. though like even if you don't have an e-bike most a lot of people are end up still having to charge stuff anyway i always thought it'd be cool if they make these bikes these e-bikes where you charge right. the battery and it powers everything. Yeah. So it's, it, it's doing your, your dropper, your, your shifters, like everything with just off one battery rather than having all these separate yeah. things. You and know? I'm sure it will get there. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, e-bikes are, I feel like are still relatively new and uh, you know, the technology is, I think, you know, 
accelerating at a rapid pace in terms of e-bikes. I mean, you look now, I know like the Heckler SL, you can't even tell it looks, it doesn't look like an e-bike. It's got the integrated battery. And, it is crazy. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, five years from now, uh, my new Heckler uh, is probably going to look like a, you know, a big giant one wheel bicycle in terms of how antiquated it looks. But uh, um, I think that's kind of, in my opinion, uh, you know, where the most, most of the, you know, rapid um, innovation is going to be in the bike industry over the next few years is really pushing, uh, you know, e-bikes and pushing uh, the technology associated with e-bikes. I think we're going to see a lot of innovation. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know we got to wrap this up because you and I both have to boogie, but uh, anything else you wanted to mention? No. Uh, thanks for having me back on. Good times. I hope to be back on soon. I'm glad I got to interview you about the uh, quick six and uh, congrats on finishing the race and, and doing a great job on it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I want to thank uh, Rambo, in particular, Stuart, uh, Ryan, uh, and Nick Watkins, uh, who did all the trail building. Uh, amazing crew. They put in so much work. They worked so hard. It was great to get to know them better over the weekend. And it's sad because Nick, uh, maybe he'll listen to this on his ride out to, he's moving to Washington to the motherland of the PNW to ride the real NAR. Um, so I'm happy for him. It's a bummer. We're going to miss him and all his trail building skills here in Georgia. But, um, so he, uh, I want to thank all those guys for putting this on because it had to be an insane amount of work. I just put in an hour, hour and a half of work, and I was exhausted. And these guys have been working on it for months. So huge thanks to them. And, oh, I guess we also shout out the sweet flyover they organized during the, yeah, uh, cool. the national anthem. They had literally three planes fly over. Perfect timing when they were singing the national anthem, which was you felt like you're at a pro uh, baseball game, which is pretty wild. Um, they really thought of everything to a T. So, yeah, thank thank you, Rambo, um, for for putting on an amazing event. And as always, Narnomies, go out and search for your ultimate Narvana. Now get peace. <laughs>